The Cosmic Adverse Podcast, written and read by Nick Perry. Book 1, Fireside Flush. Chapter 4, Cicatrice. The farmer was tending to his crops the next morning. Wearing another shirt destined to be painted by sweat and caked with mud, Sir Seraphin tilled away at yet another row of crops. The morning's work was more difficult than usual as the young man squinted through one good eye. Sir's left eye had swollen shut in a cornucopia of blues and purples. Ward had made sure the boy would wear that shiner for the better part of three weeks. The morning had gone by slowly, and Sir was quite happy when the sun had reached its peak. Lunchtime. Sir sat under the shade of the tree, near where the trio of boys, Balu, Viti, and Lavu, had met him the day before. Sir looked out across his farm and wondered if the boys would meet him again towards the end of the day. Secretly, the boy hoped that they would, just so Sir could show off his new accessory. Lunch had consisted of ham of a ham sandwich and water. The sandwich was dry and salty. Sir was glad to have his new tributary that Balu and Viti had carved out of the earth for him. The water would help more than just the boys' crops. It made for easy access to drinking water. Sir had to be careful, though, since most of the water from the Kama River wasn't potable. The boy found that mixing some iodine from the village's doctor, Arts Bachi, with the water was good enough for a quick fix, but it made the water taste terrible. Like dried blood, Sir thought as he sipped the water. The boy leaned back on the tree's trunk and closed his eyes. It was nearly an hour later when Sir jolted himself out of a restful nap. The boy opened his eyes to nothing. The boy was still alone. Sir stood up and went back to his work. The late afternoon went faster than its morning counterpart did. Sir found himself once again in the middle of the fields when the trio of troublemakers walked by. This time, however, Roland was trailing them closely. Everyone seemed to be in a good mood today after last night's concert with the minstrels. That is, until they saw Sir's face. Whoa, Vitti said with a sly smile. Did you try to get a little too comfortable with Vera, or did her father find the two of you getting comfortable together? Lavu clicked his teeth. There has to be a story that goes along with this. Balu smiled and nodded in agreement. Roland, on the other hand, sheepishly peered from behind the three older boys towards Sir. Sir looked to Roland and sighed deeply. Roland's home was much closer to the Seraphim's abode. If anyone had heard the commotion they occurred last night, it would have been the Chihal household. Sir gave the group of boys a weak smile. I wish it was an interesting story, he lied. I drank way too much last night and tripped over my own two feet and landed squarely on a fence post. Pinpoint accuracy. Balu, Viti, and Lavu looked at one another and burst into laughter. A fence, Balu bellowed as he slapped his leg. Sir, I've never seen you get into an honest fight with anyone, Lavu said. Now I know why. You'd beat yourself into a mess before the other guy even had a chance. The others shared another round of laughter. That's all they seem capable of, Sir thought behind his open-mouthed smile. Sir found that Roland had also joined into the laughter, albeit not as completely as the other boys. The sound of muted footsteps joined the laughter as the boys settled down. Everyone turned to find Ward Seraphin standing in the middle of the road. Sir changed his demeanor almost immediately. His left eye remained purple and swollen, but his right eye grew a dark circle around it. The young man had let his exhaustion show. The others saw Ward, then turned back to his nephew. When they saw Sir's changed expression, they dropped their happy constitutions. Ward moved towards them and passed by the group of boys, continuing down the dirt road through the valley. The man was going on a rare walk outside of the village. Hey, Sir, Vitti said softly, breaking the tension. We were wondering if you wanted to go camping tonight. You know, 
kind of a way to blow off some steam. Roland had indeed heard the commotion in the Seraphin house the previous evening. Sir looked at him with the same tired expression, mixed with a little disappointment. Yeah, sir, Balu added in his low voice. It would do all of us some good to get out of here. After last night, this village seems a little small for my taste. Sir nodded and gave the boys a weak smile. Maybe so, he said. Oh, come on, man, Lavu said. It'll be fun, he smiled at Sir. Even without Vera, Vidi added. The group chuckled a bit, thankful for the comic relief. Yeah, let's do it, Sir said. Let's meet after dinner. Sounds good to me, sir, Vitti replied. We'll meet at your place at sundown. Don't flake out on us. He wagged his index finger at Sir. Well, I can't flake out on you guys if you're coming to my house, Sir replied. Tell that to Destova Trofin when Vitti showed up at her place looking to take her out for the night, Lavu mused. The boys laughed again as Vitti's face flushed an embarrassing red. Well, can't win them all, Vitti said as he tried to brush it off. I've never seen a house's lights go dark that fast, Lavu prodded. What, did they think you wouldn't notice? That, that you'd think she wasn't home? Vitti took on a sarcastic tone. Ha ha, very funny. Well, let's go get some grub before tonight's tome goes and changes the world. A tome, all right, Sir thought. It seemed like every legendary story, every journey was set upon by heroes. This merry band of gentlemen, bound by destiny, would usually find themselves fighting their way through an evil cave filled with nefarious creatures. Or maybe they would be chased down a rogue magician. Or some still would set out on a quest to find what lay beyond the endless deserts of Trauber. But they were only groups of heroes, not a tome. The title of tome was reserved for those who joined together to combat the keepers. The Odyssey was always a suicide mission, and as such, their destinies were tightly bound by a common goal, killing the god that wronged them. There had been several tomes throughout the history of Nevera, and it seemed as if each keeper had a handful of tomes that had attempted to end his or her immortal reign. Every story ended with the demise of the tome, of course. The boys standing here in the middle of a rainforest, however, were no tome. The closest thing to a keeper that Sir and the others were capable of killing would be an ant, at best. And who are we going after, Lavu said, smiling. Kermela? Samuel? Trauber? Hey, you missed the easy one. Tandros, Vitti said, sticking his tongue out. No, there's a wild fair boar out there in them hills, and I plan on wrestling her for dinner. The boy pointed to the highest point near the village. It was a steep hill covered in, a, in thick jungle foliage. On the other side of where the boys stood, a large cliff composed the hill's posterior. All right, guys, Sir said. It's getting late. Let's go so we can get ready for tonight. The boys all agreed and walked through the village's open gates. It was a scene that had been repeated the night before. The trio of older boys left Roland and Sir first. Roland and Sir walked alone in the middle of the dirt road of the village. No one was out tonight. Sir figured that many of them were still recovering from the previous night's festivities. Sir, Roland said as they walked through the street, I'm sorry. For what? Sir asked. For telling the others, the boy admitted. Don't worry about it, Sir replied. Exhaustion had returned to the young man's face. He sighed, saying, You did the right thing. I did? Roland asked. Yeah, Sir said. The two stopped in front of Roland's house. Roland, Sir began, You may be young, but you've got a good heart. 
when you get older, you'll realize that there aren't good people and bad people in this world. Everyone's a shade of gray. We have good and bad in us. It's like a light that can be shifted at will. Our personalities are defined by our blood and by our experiences. And yet, two people with familiar blood and similar backgrounds will act in completely different ways. Sir sighed once more. I guess what I'm trying to say is that you ultimately decide the person you want to be. It's a constant struggle between the fringes of good and the fringes of evil. Mankind is constantly being bounced back and forth between these two extremes, so we kind of end up in the middle. Where in the middle is your choice, Roland? Roland looked up to the seraphim boy and smiled. I want to be a positive light, he said, like you. Sir rustled a hand through Roland's dirty blonde hair. Thanks for that. Find your own way, Roland, and you'll be set. Let no one else define you but you. But sir, Roland interjected, everyone seems to be defined by which keeperdom their family is from, and with it their ability to use magic. That's true, sir admitted, but magic doesn't define a person either. But it helps, Roland said. You're right, it helps, and that's it. Sir, which magic do you use? Sir looked towards the horizon. I don't know, Roland, he said. I've never been able to use magic. At least, not yet. Roland smiled. Well, neither have I, he said. I hope that we share the same magic. Sir smiled. Me too, Roland. Roland became excited. Then we could learn all sorts of spells, and show the others that were just as powerful as them. Sir smiled. But Roland, you seem to live just fine without any magic. Your inventions do more than the others' magical combined. I know, Roland said, stamping his foot. But they never work, and no one seems to care about them. I just wish I knew which of the four elements I was under. How do people get their magic? Is it in your blood? Roland asked, looking up to Sir. Sir smiled. Before we're born, we look down on the world and see it for what it is. The creator stands next to us, and before we go down to join the others here in Nevera, we get to choose under which sigil we would like to be born. It's the one request we get to make to the creator. It's our final resolve. Or, at least, that's how the elders would explain it. You seem to be right, though. We're usually born under the same sigil as our mother or father. But that's not always true, and no one can claim two elements as his own. Why don't you ask your aunt and uncle? Surely they can tell you all about the Chahal family lineage. They won't tell me anything. All I know is that my father was a fisherman. Does that mean he could use the water magic like Vitti? I don't know, Roland, but let me tell you something. Don't try to grow up too fast. You'll discover your magical affinity soon enough, and it'll take you one step closer to manhood. In the meantime, work on some more of those contraptions. I want to see all of the things that brain of yours can dream up, Sir said, smiling. Then he added, especially if it makes my work on the farm easier. The younger Seraphin smiled at his friend Roland, and Roland returned the cheerful demeanor. Sir placed a hand on the boy's shoulder and gently pushed him towards the Chahal's front door. Roland ran inside the abode, leaving Sir alone on the dirt road. Sir walked slowly back to the edge of Tutoma, where his uncle's abode sat. Sir's mind twisted with the thoughts of his uncle, his friends, and the minstrels. So much had happened in the past few days, yet so little it seemed to sink in. Sir worried what lay behind the oak door into his uncle's home. Would Ward be drunk again? 
Would Ward be back from his walk? Sir hadn't seen the old man return to the village. The boy was tired. Two long days of work, coupled with a late night in between, did terrible things to Sir's digestive tract. A grumbling sound came from deep within him. Sir hoped that he could get a decent rest tonight under the stars with his friends. The son of Seraphin enjoyed the night sky more than anyone. His friends would quickly get bored of just staring up at the sky, but Sir could sit and watch the stars twinkling without losing any of that boyish optimism that the darkness wanted to squander. So many others shied away from the sky. It was too big for most to contemplate. But Sir would stare up into the cloud of stars that streaked the sky and saw in it the promise of opportunity. He could count on only one other person to share his enjoyment of the, of the nighttime, and that was Roland. The two of them were much more similar than even Sir could have imagined. Sir arrived at the Seraphin house, and surprisingly the sight of lit candles and the smell of grilled steak filtered out of the home. Sir cocked his head at this unusual scene and slowly opened the door. What he found was a sight for sore eyes, his uncle working furiously in the kitchen. The old man turned around and smiled at Sir. Hungry? The old man asked with a kindness in his eyes that the boy had never seen before. Uh, yeah, sure, Sir stammered as he cautiously made his way to the dinner table. Good. Sit down. Tonight we're having fresh steak that I got from Siggy Bells, the butcher, on my way home, Ward replied with an unusually merry tone. Aha, Sir thought. That's how Ward had gotten around the boy and his friends. Siggy's shop also happened to be the butcher's home. The abode had two doors, one on each side, and the house stretched the course of three normal houses along the dusty road through Tuatoma. In the middle of the two doorways was none other than Roland's home. Sir's uncle must have gone through one door and out the other while the Tomasi encouraged Roland at his doorstep. But that didn't explain why the old man was in such a festive mood. Sir wasn't about to complain, however. As far as the young Seraphin was concerned, his uncle could wear this sunny disposition for the rest of his life. No need to say or do anything that would turn that frown upside down. Ward plated the cooked steaks, medium rare of course, and placed one in front of Sir, who now sat at his usual spot at the dinner table. Sir looked at the steak. The smell gave the boy an excited chill. The two began to eat. About halfway through the meal, Sir was itching to ask what caused the sudden change in his uncle's demeanor. After nearly two decades of abuse, Ward now seemed like a jolly old man who wouldn't hurt a fly. It didn't seem right. Hey, um, Uncle Ward? Sir asked sheepishly. What is it, boy? His uncle replied with a smile. Is everything okay? Sir continued. You're usually not like this. Ward let his smile slowly fade. His eyes grew tired in front of Sir, as if the realization of the boy's swollen eye had brought him back to reality. I know, Sir. It's been a long couple of years for you and me. Ward looked to one of the abode's mud-laden walls, as if he were looking at a mountain in the distance. I've been quite a bit harder on you than I ever would have allowed myself when I first adopted you. So much happened in such a short time span back then. It's difficult even now to sort it all out. But since then I've been crude, abusive, and most of all stressed. You wouldn't understand if I told you tonight, but... Ward sighed. Perhaps one day you will. The old man returned his melancholy gaze back to his nephew. 
Sir, you are a seraphid, and seraphins pride integrity above all else. I've lost that integrity through the years. Don't let that happen to you. Can you tell me about my parents? Who they were? What happened to them? Ward grimaced at the question. Not now. I'm not ready yet. Suffice to say that your parents were good people, and I've hated you for that very reason. I see too much of your father in you, sir. The genuine good with which he lived. Your eyes are his eyes. Ward laughed at his thought. But it's your stubbornness more than anything. Just like him. Sir returned the small smile. Aren't you going camping with your friends tonight? Ward asked, changing a subject that, after two decades, still hurt like a fresh wound. I am, Sir said, and I wanted to meditate first. Eo, Ward said as he sat back in his chair. Well, go to it then. I'll clean up. Sir removed himself from the small kitchen table and plopped down in the center of the house's floor. A small rug served to keep his butt from the cold dirt that composed the mud hut's living room. Sir closed his eyes. The last thing he saw before entering that communicative state with Eo was the obsidian sword with the silver woman etched into its blade. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Cosmic Adverse Podcast, Book 1, Fireside Flush. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I actually apologize for not having an episode up last week. I was out of town this past week and didn't have time to put together this week's episode last week. So you're getting last week's episode this week. Well, hopefully we'll have everything up and running. So we'll have a normal weekly cadence from here on out or throughout the course of the, the rest of the podcast. You can find us at our website at CosmicAdverse.com or you can find us on Twitter at CosmicAdverse. No, we haven't been keeping the Twitter handle up to date as much as we would like, but rest assured over the next few days or in the course of the next several weeks, we'll be really ramping up our community support at that Twitter handle. So feel free to subscribe. We'll be getting a lot of really great feedback from around the world regarding the podcast. I just wanted to share with you a few statistics about our top five countries where most of our listeners are uh, currently listening from. That's the United States, the UK, Mexico, Australia, and Russia. And if you're in one of those top five countries, thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you're not in one of those five countries, uh, feel free to uh, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers about the podcast. Uh, we've been getting really, really great numbers uh, from our downloads page, uh, more than I ever would have expected by episode five. One question that has come up is exactly how long is this podcast going to be? The first book, Fireside Flush, is 40 chapters long with the argument and prologue, which we've already covered. And then there's also an epilogue at the end. So there's going to be a total of 42 episodes for Fireside Flush. I'm currently in the planning stages for the second book. Uh, and as I'm recording this, I'm also writing that second book. So hopefully there will be a, a smaller delay between the end of this book and the beginning of the second book. That's all I got for you. Again, thank you so much for listening. This is the fifth episode of the podcast uh, of 42 for Fireside Flush and hopefully for several episodes from here on out. Other than that, talk to you next week.